Let's follow him. Let's rightly apply his word, observing in their world, crossing the principalizing bridge based on the truth of God and applying it into my life. God, what must I do to be following you? Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping. Man, we are excited to rally together. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, it is all about Jesus Christ. We rally to make much of his name and his fame. And all of God's people said, amen, man. So we're in a series here called Obey. We're talking about diving into his word. What is God's word? And then how should we respond and react to that, right? We've looked at God's word. You heard Nathan reading some of the verses. God's word is a testimony, our heritage. It is perfect. It is right. It is clear. It is trustworthy. It is fully sufficient. It is God-breathed, given to us for our hope. This is God's word. So how do we respond to God's word? How do we apply God's word to our life? And that's where we've been the last couple of weeks, learning how we can take time to say, God, your word in my life, may you shape me, all right? And we're going to continue with that today. In fact, the passage we're diving into here really is kind of one of the premier passages on applying God's word and making sure we're real to God's word and making sure we stay on track with God's word, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 14, as we get going today, the title of the sermon today is, My Role, I Will Study. I will take time in God's word. Like, that's my commitment, right, in this passage calling to that. So point number one as we get going, do not quarrel over words. This comes from verse 14 alone. Do not quarrel over words. So as we get going, the first thing he says is don't do this, right? And he starts to give us a little bit of guideline on how we can act and interact about truth and about things of God and about things in this world, all right? So here we go. As we get going, he starts out, he says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. Okay? So as we get going, he says, remind them of these things. The word remind, it's it's a part of the teaching tool right? So teaching is introducing you to a piece of information that you've never heard before, and then remind, 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 right? Repetition helps bring it to a a point where we have it known and understood. Hearing it the first time is part of teaching, and sometimes we think of teaching as only that part. Just tell me information I've never heard before, but that's not the whole of teaching, Teaching is, yes, information I haven't heard, and then repeat, 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 repeat. Remind, 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 remind. And all of God's parents said, right, that's part of the home life, right? As we bring stuff up and then we continue over and over and over on that, making it clear. And that's the same with teaching. Here he says, remind them of these things. What things? Well, the things that have come earlier in 2 Timothy, and here's a few. He's like, pass on God's truth to others. At the beginning of chapter 2, they're in trust to faithful men. Like, that's a big battle cry. Make sure that the church is continuing to baton pass well 
to work diligently, going along the path, making sure that we are working as soldiers and athletes and farmers, right? Different uh, metaphors that he used, that we work hard, that we run hard, that we have a goal along the way of honoring God. To remember that Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. He's like, remember these things. Christ is risen. You are running like an athlete. Pass along the baton well. And even at the end, he says, remember Christ's preeminence. And remember the power of God over this uh, life that we live. Man, these are just a few of the challenges. And so as he's talking about remember Christ and remember you're running hard and remember the call to entrust and remember God's word, he now starts to go in to a few challenges, all right? So as we dive in, he says, and charge them before God. That word charge literally means to warn them, to warn with a heavy passion, like to really get amped up and make it clear that this absolutely matters, Charge them with this. Warn them with this. Keep them on track with this. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words. He's like, stop with the infighting. Stop with the words back and forth with each other that's tearing the church down. Do not quarrel about words. That word for quarrel there literally is two words put together. Word fighting. Do not have a bunch of banter going on back and forth where we use words back and forth with you. We don't even know if we really are committed to what we're saying, but it allows me to take a jab. It allows me to take a stand. It allows me to at least get back at you a little bit, whatever that might mean, right? Don't have word fights along the way. And, uh, you know, I just kind of thinking about it this week, I spent a lot of time thinking about What is quarreling and why is he warning the church about it? And so here's a few thoughts along the way. First of all, spend time on what God's word does say. Don't spend time on what God's word does not say. And all of God's people said, man, don't sit there speculating. That's a big part of where quarreling and word crafting can come from. When we start to go outside of God's word and we're like, well, the way I see it is, Like, those are bad moments, right? Like, let's start to talk about what God's Word does say and be tracking along with that. Go after what God's Word does say, not what it does not say. In fact, back in 1 Timothy, this must have been a huge problem in the church that was going on there. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, look, done with the endless genealogies, the myths about Old Testament people and made-up doctrines along the way. Like, stop making stuff up. Stay in the Bible, not extra-biblical. Like, there was a lot of things that were going on, endless genealogies that were beginning to be like, well, you may be Jewish, but who really is in your genealogy ahead of you? And do you know that I was doing a little bit of study, and I found in these outside sources that, and all of a sudden there's this kind of valuing a statement of of importance in some way, and there's a devaluing of somebody else, and there's a tearing down, and they were just getting into things that really God had not made clear, but they chose to make clear, right? He's like, be done with all the extra words along the way. I just wrote this down. Speculations, 
are the breeding ground for pride and conflict. Speculations are the breeding ground for pride and conflict. So be careful with the many word fights along the way. Quarrels, well, they bring a lot of fights. They bring a lot of hurts. And uh, my wife and I were talking about it a lot this week and kind of walking through this topic. And I said to her at one point, you know, the sibling of quarreling is rationalizing. The sibling of quarreling is rationalizing. Like the close relationship to quarreling. You have to be willing to start to say things that you're not really all that committed to. But you got to start justifying it. So you start rationalizing. You start sort of seeing it from an angle, though. If you look at it kind of like this, then you can see why my point is. And all of a sudden, we start rationalizing our position. We start going after taking a stance and standing against somebody else. This close sibling to quarreling is rationalizing. It's convincing yourself you're right for your uh, kind of inane position you're currently taking. Right? And we got to be careful with that quarreling when we get pretty amped up at taking a stand. It says, which does no good, but only ruins the hearer. Look, the only value there is lift up me, tear down you. Right? It's destructive. It's hurtful. At best, it's defective. I just wrote this. Satan is the author of conflict. God is the author of unity. Make sure that we're rallying together, not trying to contradict. Look, are you the type of person that when somebody says something, the first thing you want to say is, no. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of your spouses know exactly what I'm talking about. When you start out and you lead up with a topic and whatever you say, their first response is going to be, well, so just so you know, the top two words of the person that tends to contradict, well, and yeah, but. By the way, if you say that fast enough, that's really just one word. Yeah, but. Right? And all of a sudden, you're so big on, let me tell you the opposite. Let's work hard at seeing what each other is saying. That's really all that Paul is challenging Timothy. Take some time to say, I hear you. Like, that's a good point. No, I see what you're saying in that. Dude, that, is, that goes a long way in conversation. When somebody makes a point and you go, yeah, but, and you try to find the one way you can contradict, and you're like, fine. I'm not saying the whole, but do you see where I'm trying to say with the, and now all of a sudden people are on opposite sides of the fence. Let's not be that. That's what Paul is saying. Let's not take a stance on either side of the fence and try to contradict each other and wordcraft our fights, right? Be careful with it. And so I, spending a little bit of time thinking about quarreling, trying to work it through, I, uh, I just wrote this. Three reasons we quarrel, all right? You may want to write these down. Three reasons that we get into the yeah, but. Right, here we go. Number one, uh, I am asserting myself. Like, no matter what, I need you to know, well, quite frankly, that my thinking is awesome. Like, I am asserting me, right? It's a prideful moment. It can be. That, that's one reason for conflict. But actually, that's probably not the most common reason. Uh, here's another one. Number two, um, I am resisting you. 
Like, you annoy me right now. You, quite frankly, have ticked me off. And so, I'm just not going to give you the credibility. I'm not going to, whatever you say, no. That's where I stand. I choose my position based on wherever you are, I'm not there. That's me. I'm not with you. Right? That, just so you know, like when you go into like a debating thing, like I never did debating in high school or in college or whatever, but in debating, right, they give you a topic and then they give you the position. And then you have to form your position and argue well for that position, whether you agree with it or not. That's a lot like this part of quarreling that we're talking about here. The position given you is their position. And so the position you now take is not their position. That's where I stand. I resist you. You annoy me. And I'm going to make it clear by going over and over and over every single area where I think you've missed it. Like that is a rough quarreling. You'll feel it in the home. In fact, you'll often know that this is what's going on because if you're talking with the person and you're chatting and you make some statement and they contradict and then you say to them, well, that's a really good point. They'll flip back over to your side and take your old argument. And you're like, wait a minute, that's what I just said over there. But it's the opposite of where you currently are. Wherever you are, I will be the opposite. Man, if that's you, don't do that anymore, right? Get a gut check on yourself like, am I actually just more taking a stand against the person? Let's be careful with that. By the way, another good tell of why is you say something and the person goes, no. Yeah, but, and then somebody else says the same thing you just said and they're going, well, that's a good point. I just said that. No, they said that, right? I'm standing with the person. That's often what's going on, all right? So first is like, hey, I just want to assert myself. Second, I'm resisting you. And here's a big one, a third one. I'm resisting the destination. Look, if what you're saying is true, then the end point would be this, and I don't want to be there. I'm resisting where that would take me. And so it doesn't matter if what you're saying is true or not. I don't want to go to the end point. So no. I resist the destination. You would be amazed how sophisticated our conversations are. Like as you begin to converse with somebody, you can see the logic of where that would take it. And you're like, then no, I don't want that. Uh, I don't agree with that. Why? Begin to rationalize. Uh, because whatever. And you throw some answer out. And it's anything to just stop it from going to that end point. I don't want to be standing here. You would be amazed how fast arguments stop when you go, can I just be honest? Like getting to this final end point is not where I want it. Every part of my soul is grinding against that. So I really want to say no to what you just said. I'm trying to hear you but man, do I not want to be here. How do we walk this through? You would not believe how clear those conversations can become and actually how you can end up laughing about things as well along the journey of that. Those are three reasons. I'm not saying they're all inclusive, but I will tell you, 
If you find yourself always standing against somebody, you're going to find you're one of those three, okay? That's a big deal. Make sure that you're thinking it through. Am I just always wanting people to hear me? I'm asserting me. Am I resisting a person or maybe all people? I'm resisting. Or am I resisting the destination? I just don't want that to be true. So I don't want to hear it right now. Quarreling. Those are some pretty functional things along the way. Let me just say this. Um, Two ways to end that stuff is to make sure that before you say, well, you know that that's the introduction of a conversation that's going the opposite direction, right? You get that, right? Like if I say, boy, I love hot dogs, and you go, well, like what's coming next isn't going to be the best statement, right? Do you know what they're made of? Like whatever. It's going to begin to converse with me about something that needs to change, right? And, or yeah, but... Yeah is a very conversational, I agree. But when it's followed by but so fast that you could put them together and make one word out of it, you're not agreeing, right? There's no agreement there whatsoever. Slow down, take a little bit of time to agree. I hear you. That's a really good point. I got to be honest with you. The whole destination of where this takes me, I don't want to be there. But I'm trying to be open-minded I'm hearing you. You will find that so many of our conversations start to dissipate with heat when we take a little bit of time to be respectful. By the way, here's a really good one. Make sure before you ever take a hard stand on anything scriptural or God statement, you have chapter and verse. Chapter and verse. If you're going to take a hard stand on something, chapter and verse. You will find if you come in to talk to us as pastors or if you're coming in for biblical counseling and we're talking through details, we're going to go chapter and verse. We're going to talk about what God's word says and then we're going to talk about where there's a little bit of latitude. But chapter and verse is thus saith the Lord and we don't toy with that, right? Make sure you've got chapter and verse on your hardcore positions and then you can find yourself to loosen up a little bit on maybe some of the others, right? We'll leave it at that. There's a lot of thought around it. I'll just say this, quarreling. We use words so many times during the day. You know, they say guys have somewhere around 20 to 25,000 words a day. Ladies, 50 to 100,000 words a day. And uh, just so you know, my wife would say I'm in the 100,000 category, maybe higher, right? And uh, I definitely have a lot of words in a day. And uh, where words are many, sin is not absent. So we do have to be careful that we don't just use words to manipulate and control, to resist and refuse, to cause fights with our words. Ready? And all of God's people said. It's like, be careful. As we're talking about God's word and we're talking about how to value God's word, let's start by not being in fights all the time. That sounds like a good start, right? That's where we're at. So simple question for you. So are you a quarreler? That's a real question. Really think about it. Are you a quarreler? Some of you right now are looking at each other, which one might be accusing the other. I have no idea, but are you a quarreler? Are you the one who's like, I will resist? Be careful with that. Make sure you even come to the reason of why. Why am I resisting? Let's take a deep breath, slow down, and honor God with our language. And all of God's people said, all right.
Point number two, rightly apply God's word. Rightly apply God's word. He says, do your best, like all in, nothing held back. You are going for it with all you have. Do your best, all your energy, all your focus, all your effort, you are all in. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed. To present yourself to God approved, like to be what God calls you to be, to do what God calls you to do. To go where God's wanting you to be and honoring him along the way. Be with him, be for him, be about him. To where God's like, at a boy, at a girl. Now that's what I'm talking about, right? Be that person. Where is God calling you to be and go after? Make sure you're that. It says a workman who has no need to be ashamed. No need. Like we're not leaving a foothold for Satan to begin to accuse. By the way, just so you know, this word ashamed is a powerful word. Like there is the word guilt. And I'll just say it this way. Guilt is kind of the position you have legally. Like did you do something wrong? Then you would be found guilty, right? It's your position legally. Shame is the feelings you have about that. Shame is the worthlessness that I have about me as I recognize me coming up so far short. He's like, no need for the head-hanging, self-deprecating, beat-me-up, can't-stand-me shame. And that word is absolutely destructive to our soul. And Satan loves to whisper it to us. Like as we get into sin, the whisper from Satan is, you should be ashamed of yourself. Why do you even want to say you love the Lord when? Is it fair for you to ask God to forgive you when? That whisper from the pit of hell that starts challenging your relationship with your king. Please hear me. We serve a God who is merciful. We serve a God who forgives. We serve a God who takes us and as we fall on our knees and say, Lord, I repent. I'm done with what I was wrong with. Please take me in. I'm so wrong. He says, I love you. Forgiven. And all of God's people said, and Satan says, are you serious? You should be ashamed. God says, you are welcome. You are forgiven. Satan says, think about that again. Mull on that. Maybe even beat yourself up on that. He's like, let's not leave room for a foothold for Satan to tear down along the way. Let's run hard after him. He says, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. Like being able to pick up God's word that we recognize is truth and we rightly handle. We don't change it. We don't twist it. We don't read it and say, the way that I hear this is, right? Everybody say, not that. As you pick up God's word, your goal is to say, God, what are you trying to say? Lord, what are you trying to communicate? To be able to understand him, for us to go through a basic plain sense read where we see it, we read it, we let the grammar stay what it is, we let the words stay what they are, and we say, God, I take you at your word. 
Lord, I am ready to apply your word. May you truly get all the glory. To understand what is meant, to find the truth about God and the timeless principles along the way. These are the huge deals for us to handle God's word. So let's just do this. As you dive into God's word, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's pretty basic. Just kind of picture this each time you're opening up God's word. Picture three things. Picture a landmass and another landmass and a bridge. So there's two pieces of land and a bridge. The first landmass is them. It's where they live. It's what's going on in their world, okay? It's what's going on in the Bible at that time, whatever was taking place. What are the the situational setups of the church? What was Paul trying to say? Whatever was going on in their world. That's the first piece, and the goal is to kind of figure some things out there. And then there's the bridge, the principles, the bridge into the new place, which is that second landmass is our world. We're going to take it from their world to our world, and the bridge in is the timeless principles about your God and about what he is having to say, right? That's the goal. So every time you open it up, what's going on in their world? Cross the bridge with some timeless principles based on the character of God and what he's commanding, and then so what does that mean for me in my world? That's how to read God's word, all right? So let's just put a couple thoughts to it. Let's call it OPA, okay? O-P-A. Think, you know, like, what is that? Is that the Greek thing where you throw the plate on the ground? OPA, whatever that is, right? Think that, okay? So O, observation. So like, what's going on in their world? Observation, what's happening in their world? Just taking a close look. I'll give you a secret. One easy way to do this is go through God's word word by word, phrase by phrase, and put it into your own words. Just take some time to put all of it in your own words. Don't miss details. Don't skip over. There's this huge sentence. You put it in two words. Don't do that. Try to capture it, putting it in your words, okay? For example, like as we start here and it says, do your best, right? Remember, we just read that. What's another way to say do your best? Like be all in, Like, give it all. Hold nothing back. All of you for all of him. Like, however you want to say that, right? By the way, did you notice? That's all I do up here. We take God's word, and I'm just saying, let's observe it. What is it saying? What does it mean? And then what are the timeless principles of God? How do we cross across to us? Now let's do something about it, right? So that's it. Just take some time to rephrase God's word. You will be stunned As you walk through and you hit a word like shame, don't be ashamed. What does that mean? You do a little bit of looking up and you're like, wow, it's kind of this deep self-hate because of where I'm at. And like, don't put yourself in a spot where this deep self-abhorrence can happen, right? See how it's being coming so powerful as you take time in the word, just letting it be observed. Take a little bit of time to slow down. Put it in your own words, grasp what's going on, catch the big idea of that world. Next, the P. So we have observation, now principle, right? Find the principles. What are true statements about God? What are commands he's giving that do not change? Because he says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. 
Like, what are the things that are true about God, that are true about the command, that are true about the church, that are true about you, that are timeless and can cross across the bridge? Find the timeless principles, okay? It's a huge deal. To be able to jump like into this passage and we're looking at a church, so it's after Christ, the cross, there's salvation, there's a call for those who are his loved ones, the church, and there's these calls for work and action and it's based on who God is and how he's done. There's a lot of easy principles to bring across, right? And maybe it's a little more difficult if you're in an Old Testament passage and they're only under law and they don't know about the cross, but you take some time. What's true about God? What's the character here? What can I learn from that? Now bring it across to our world. So what does that mean for me? Well, it means I should not quarrel about words. That's all it says, and so I'm just going to follow it. A timeless principle, don't bicker along the way. And all of God's people said, right, just cross the principalizing bridge and take a little bit of time in your world, so what am I going to do about that? And maybe it's a passage that's all about the greatness of God. It's like he is creator, he is sustainer, he is provider. He is coming again as our Savior and Lord. You're like, I will be on my knees in worship. That's what I'm doing with this, right? Whatever it is, cross that principle into this world, your world. What are you going to do about it? Man, you will watch God's word light up as you rightly apply. Opa, observation principle, application. Application is the A as you put it into your world. So their world, observation. The bridge, principle. My world, application. And watch God's word light up. And all of God's people said, may we rightly apply his word. You know, we call this grasping God's word. We actually have a class around here that we run every once in a while, uh, about five, six weeks long, grasping God's word. And this is exactly what it is, like observing in their world, finding the, the principles to cross the bridge, and then being able to apply that into our world. This is a huge, simple way to read God's word, to read anything that was written maybe in a slightly other time or context and figure out how that applies to us. It really helps us, by the way, as believers, when God says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. Everybody just say, he doesn't change. And that's going to give you a lot of tips on where to go with what is true and what is a principle and how you can apply. And all of God's people said, may we rightly apply God's word. Lord, I am ready to hear you. I am ready to not be bickering along the way. I am ready for your word to direct me, shape my life. Okay? Huge deal. All right. Point number three. Point number three. Avoid ungodly views and discussions. Avoid ungodly views and discussions. He says, but avoid irreverent babble. Like silly, useless words that don't really lift up God or the follower of Christ or anything about our God, anything about the church or anything about the person you're talking to. It's a teardown plan. Avoid that. Irreverent babble. 
Words that are worthless but make Satan smile. Avoid that. Know this, we are always at all times choosing words that will either make God smile or Satan smile. Know that. You have a choice. Which team are you on? Make sure we partner with our king along the way. He says, for it will lead into more and more ungodliness. Like once you've hurt somebody and it starts to stir them up, there will be a fighting. There will be an anger. There will be a division. There will be a loss of hope. There will be a weaker faith. There will be a defensiveness. And all of a sudden the ungodliness starts flowing all over the place. Be careful. God's word calls us to a gentleness and a hope and a love and a kindness. And Satan calls us to a destroying and a beating down and asserting self and twisting words so that I don't ever have to stand with anybody and make sure we're ready to stand with our king. He says, and their talk will spread like gangrene. I love this statement. Paul is really good with illustration. And uh, do you know what gangrene is? Like, have you seen gangrene? I'm not going to describe it because some of you are just getting over with the flu and it'll just start it all again. You know what I'm saying? But bad enough to just say, look, man, it is a flesh-eating disease. And the only way to win is to amputate above it. So if it starts in the foot and it starts to come up, the way to attack it is take it off at the knee. He's like, let me be clear. Poor word choice, battling back and forth, refusing God's word, it needs to be amputated. It needs to be taken out of the church. In fact, Paul, when he was talking to Titus, he said, listen, warn the divisive person once. Warn him twice and then have nothing to do with him. Amputation. It is a dangerous set of words that start to bicker inside, stir against, build up angers, ungodlinesses form, fightings back and forth, and all of a sudden the tearing down of the kingdom is happening. May we not be that church. And all of God's people said, man, may we be a church that encourages. I hear your point. I hear where you're trying to get with that. What are you trying to say with that? Look, and it's not that everybody's always right in every position they have. And all of God's people said, right? But it's still be patient and kind in the journey of walking it through and watch God get the glory. He says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth. How'd you like to be these two guys? forever in the Bible as the losers who did not get it right, <laughs> right? Hymenaeus and Philetus. And in fact, Hymenaeus was mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.20 as a guy who just was not handling it well. And he said, deliver him to Satan. Like, cut him off. He is divisive. Have nothing to do with him. Get that guy out. And apparently, they didn't listen the guy's still around. And so he's still calling him out. And he's like, listen, you got to deal with these guys. You got to deal with their words that are tearing down. You got to deal with the words they're toying with that are untrue. He says, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're not talking about 
silly idol things. They have chosen to talk about the resurrection, right? The truth that when Jesus Christ will at some point have a rapture moment and we are called home to him, there will be a resurrection. Those who are in Christ, their dead bodies first, glorified up, brought into and married together with their perfect soul, right? When we pass away right here and now, let's get a little bit of doctrine solid. When we pass away right here and now, we will be with Christ in paradise the moment we breathe our last on this earth. And all of God's people said, Christ said to the, the robber on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, right? We have hope. We are with Christ right away. Our soul with him, perfection, absolute peace in that. Praise God. And there will be a day when our bodies will be all of a sudden glorified, perfected, Whatever my glorified body looks like, that'll be interesting to see, right? And glorified body in the midst as we somehow look a little better than we currently do. And all of a sudden, glorified body married with glorified soul forever. And it says, and after the dead in Christ rise, then those who are alive and remain will be snapped up, perfected in the moment, and all of us together with Christ forever. And all of God's people said, and Hymenaeus and Philetus said, that's already happened. What, what does that mean? It wasn't even clear what it meant. Like maybe they're saying, well, I, I think it's just a spiritual kind of thing. I don't think it's really happening to the body. Maybe they meant that. Like, that takes away the whole physical body being restored, which God is doing. That's the plan. Or maybe they're saying the physical resurrection has already happened. And the people they're talking to are like, I just got the flu last week and I was thrown up for two days. That's the glorified body. And he's like, maybe you missed out. That's what was going on. Some kind of conversation that was stirring people. They were deeply confused about their theology and they could not grasp it. He's like, end that. No to the surmisings beyond what scripture says and tearing down the promises and the hopes that we have in him. Saying that the resurrection may have already happened horrible, man. It says they are upsetting the faith of some. They were just annoying others, right? Some were hearing it and going, whatever, you guys got to stop talking. And they walked away. But some were like, what if? But if this is true, then does that mean I'll never see my loved one again? Does that mean I'm not saved? Does that mean tearing them down, man? They were upsetting the faith. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. Hear this. Two promises. Number one, the Lord knows those who are his. Probably a quote that comes out of Numbers chapter 16. The Lord knows those who are his. He's like, listen, the thing that's upsetting everybody is they're not sure they're saved. They're wondering if they missed out. So know this. God knows. Don't listen to Hymenaeus and Philetus. God knows and he loves you. If you are saved, he knows and he has you in his hand. And here's the second part of the promise. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And the call for those who believe they're saved Start walking with your God. Do your best. Down with shame. Done with the quarreling. Be over with the battling. Don't be like Hymenaeus and Philetus. Be done with those guys. 
and let's run with our king. The two seals that he put up, God knows, now run with him with all you've got. That's our hope in Christ. May we anchor in this. We've got a king who is coming again. And all of God's people said, we've got a king who will be glorifying these broken bodies. There will be no more norovirus in heaven. And all of God's people said, dude, there will never be a throwing up on the bathroom and can't get up off the ground. Some of you have been going through that in the past week. And some of you want to change chairs with who you're sitting next to right now, right? Like the reality is it's been going around bad. That will be gone. Praise God. All sin gone, all disease gone, all death gone, all pain and sorrow and heartache. Perfected body, perfected soul forever with Christ. So let's get it on with him right now. Let's follow him. Let's rightly apply his word. Observing in their world, crossing the principalizing bridge based on the truth of God and applying it into my life. God, what must I do to be following you? May his word light up our path. May we follow our king. And all of God's people said, this is our hope. Let's pray. 